0: All right, guys, welcome to the show here today. I'm really excited about that. We're going to talk a bit about uh, rising inflation and interest and how that's affecting our underwriting. I'm going to get Garrett on the show here in a couple seconds. And our guest today is Jonathan Wei. And his story is super interesting because he kind of partnered his way to syndications. The first few were all partnerships, and today he's doing his own deals. And even though his English was a second language, and he's basically a total introvert, and here he is finding deals, talking to brokers, and raising capital. So we want to know how he did that or there's some of you out there who are maybe a little shy, right? He also talk about Dealmaker Live. In the interview, and this is where he met literally three or four of his partners at last year's Dealmaker Live, and it's again coming up in June second through fourth in Dallas. You can get tickets now at DealmakerLiveEvent.com. This is a must attend event, not only to learn about syndications, how you raise capital and uh, find deals, what's working now, but also to network, find partners, find deals and find capital. So make sure you grab a ticket. We're about half the capacity, a little bit over halfway capacity. So get it on there because we will cap it once we reach about 500 people so it's dealmakerliveevent.com all right shout out also to joe hornet he left us a review on itunes michael and Garrett do a great job of encouraging a new entrepreneur love the show i love it joe thanks for that appreciate it i will do a shout out to our first dealmaker alex escobar right he's a dealmaker mastermind member uses the syndicated deal analyzer and he did his first deal in danville virginia 26 units for six hundred thousand dollars. he did his second deal was 64 units across the street from the first one. That was 2.4 million dollars, and he quit his job in early 2022, kind of like Jonathan did as well. So I guess Alex might be on the on the show here pretty soon. And he says it started with the Yellow Book, and then he, like I said, he got busy with a syndicate deal. Lands joined their deal maker mastermind community, found his partner, and then have been doing deals together since. So congratulations, Alex, on quitting your job. That is awesome. Well, hopefully, we'll find out more about your story. If you want to work one-on-one with one of our full-time syndicators, check out our mentoring program. It's at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. And you know, if you want to accelerate your results, do bigger deals, faster scale, and avoid some of the bigger mistakes, if, if that describes you and you value mentorship, then check us out. Uh, We're the only program that actually guarantees that you'll do your first deal in the first 12 months. And so we're really confident in what we can do with you. So check us out at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor, schedule a call, and let's explore if mentorship is right for you. So with that, let's get on Garrett here. Garrett, what's going on? What's going on? So one thing that we're watching a lot here is obviously we've been dealing with rising inflation, which has been magical for multifamily. I mean, just magical because, man, the the rents are going up and with that, the valuations, we're getting valuations that we're not projecting for another four or five years. Uh, And now we're getting a little bit of something that we haven't had in a little while, which is rising interest rates. And so we try to underrate things consistently. But we're not blind to the fact that the market is changing. I mean, we used to we underwrote increase in in rents between two and a half three percent. Well, is that really accurate? No, it's not really accurate, right? You know, we, we're always assuming slightly higher interest rates, and that's fine. But that's not maybe accurate in two years from now as well. So, we're, how has both of these things kind of factored into our underwriting? And and how should listeners and people watching this maybe think about their underwriting?
1: Yeah. So, the under, when you're underwriting, it's all about you know, how, where you're putting in conservative measures in order to make sure that your deal goes as planned, because there's all kinds of variables that, that can come up that can change things and change the direction. So I think before some of the conservative measures that we were putting in, we were just keeping our organic rent growth on the lower end, like two, 3% consistently, but that's not the reality. The reality right now is that it's like 8% in a lot of markets or seven or 6%. So we felt comfortable in, in raising that up a bit in, at least in the next two years, up until you know four and five percent, like just keeping it still conservative but not overdoing it. On the other side, you know, we have to make adjustments in areas that, that really are true, which is that interest rates are, are going up. And so we've entered deals now, starting at five percent or even higher, and then higher in the, in the refinance, if you're putting that in your model as well just to be conservative because they're going to go up. and and So you have to account for that and make sure that you have plenty of padding in there so that you still have the right track for what the multifamily model looks like. It still looks phenomenal, guys, by the way. You still have really good deals that are out there and you can pick them up because people are scared they're going to sell stuff, but you have to account for the right variables.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. We just, we just finished a, a raise for Chelsea Apartments, a really cool deal. And if We did some sensitivity analysis. I was just curious, hey, what if interest rates actually were to match the inflation rate? So what if it went from four, five, six, seven, right? So let's say we have an inflation rate at 8%. What would it look like with interest rates at 8%? Like, What would it look like? And what we found is the return, the IRR, the average annual return, whatever you want to call it, is exactly the same. So if there's lockstep interest rates going up with inflation rate, the returns are actually the same as they were at 4%. So if both are 8%, Okay, the returns are exactly the same. If we're projecting a 16% IRR, for example, with uh, interest rates at 4% and inflation rate at 4%, that'll be exactly the same at 8 and 8. Isn't that interesting? But I don't think that's what's going to happen. What's going to happen is inflation is going to outstrip interest rates. Because the Fed is never going to raise interest rates to 8%. We would, we would literally default on our debt. We would have to devalue the dollar. Ain't going to happen. Okay. So what's going to happen is the inflation rate is going to stay high, 10%, and, inflation, and the interest rate might be an, an astounding 5 or 6%. So what's going to happen is the actual return is going to go up in that environment because that gap between inflation and rent growth and rising interest rates is getting wider and wider and wider. And so this is great for multifamily. So but for your underwriting, you know, for the next day, two years, we're going to use a higher rent growth because of that inflation, that's also going to affect your expenses. So in your underwriting, make sure that if you project, let's say 7% inflation and rent growth, that your expenses also go up by 7%. And then use maybe 2% higher inflation rate if you're going to sell or refinance down down the road. And what you'll find as Garrett was saying is these deals still pencil, but just make sure you use them because your investors want to know that you're paying attention to these kinds of things. So hopefully you find that useful. It doesn't change the strategy it just changes the tactics and that's one of them so with that i want to talk about jonathan way here super uh, interesting interview because you know he's working 56 hours as a cpa looking for a way out of the rat race and you know like so many people they read the purple book and they buy a condo right they flip a house and that's what he did he bought a few condos in new jersey and then i was like my gosh i'm never going to replace my income with a strategy and so he came across our podcast he bought our syndicated deal analyzer and said, "Man, this this multifamily thing I think is gonna is gonna work." And then he signed up for our mentoring program that I mentioned earlier, and he worked with one of our full time syndicators, and that was magical to him because he was kind of you know afraid of all this stuff. He didn't want to make big mistakes. Uh, he wanted someone to look over his shoulder. He also wanted to scale, right? And so he got into uh, multifamily, and today he owns 498 units. He just quit his job in February 28th, and. You know, he's an introvert. He's super quiet. And, you know, maybe you recognize yourself in that. And let's find out how he overcame some of those challenges that that he had and how he became a full time investor. Let's get an interview with Jonathan Way. Jonathan, welcome to the show today.
2: Thank you, Michael. Very appreciate it.
0: So I know that you quit your job precisely February 28th of this year, which is super exciting. What
2: was that last day like? It was the day that I always anticipated. And I always dream of the day to leave. And it was a very good day. to feel like alleviated, um, able to do my own business and be my own boss.
0: That's awesome. How did your coworkers uh, uh, respond, or your or your family? Like, there's like, oh, it's pretty cool. Or were they were they curious, or what was what was their response like?
2: Some was surprised. Like, I know uh, my boss was surprised that I was leaving because I've been there, you know, for a while. My coworker was surprised and they thought I'll be there forever, basically.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. That's that's so cool. So, let's you go into the time machine and go back a little bit in time because you've obviously been working on this for, for a little while. But what happened a while ago when you decided that you want to get into real estate? Like, what you know, what was going on in your life, where like, man, I I I want to make a change. Like, what was what precipitated your investigation into real estate?
2: Yes, yes, that's a, that's a great question. When I was working in New York City on Wall Street as a tax director, corporate tax director. I realized that I need to achieve financial freedom through something that I really love and have, I'm passionate about. And what I discovered was I was a, just like everyone else, bought a single family home. I bought some condos in New Jersey where I grew up and I started building on that, but I realized that I could not leave my job, my nine to five job, and I needed some, some kind of vehicle something to, to leave my job. And that, that's what I decided to research and go, go that route, basically.
0: There was so many people do, right? You, you read the Rich Dad, Poor Dad book and you're like, man, I got to buy a condo, right? I got to buy some real estate because yeah. that's how you do it, right? And you do this for a little while. You're like, on it. I, I can't get there, right, from here. And so mm-hmm. you started researching and, and what did you come up with, right? Because it's kind of a scary place outside of single family house investing. How did you discover multifamily? Maybe what, did you, what else did you look at and why did you think that you could do it?
2: I felt that since – because my mom told me when I was very young – Come being immigrated from America, learning English as a second language, saying that you, as long as you put your mind to it, where there's a will, there's a way. And I know I was struggling in English, struggling in, in reading because it wasn't my first language. And I worked really hard every single night, having extra tutors. I spent a lot of time you know, understanding what, what, how to pronounce certain words. And over the time, I mastered it. I got an A's in, in my grade. And I realized that if I can apply that to real estate, and you, you will succeed uh, you know, no matter what.
0: But I I see this a lot because I'm too young, I'm too old. I, you know, I'm not this, I'm not that. And you could have just used that excuse and you decided, Hey, I'm just going to work on my, in this case, English, but still you, maybe you struggled with that. How did you overcome some of those thoughts of, Hey, I'm, I'm not good enough, or I can't do that.
2: I think for, for mine was I hired a mentor and Drew Whitson was my mentor. And he kind of like, you know, helped me, give me confidence, give me, the ability to go out and and buy multifamily and uh, be able to you know instill confidence and uh, I can succeed and help me along on my journey basically uh, yeah that's right so you 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 signed up
0: with one of our mentors who at this point owns like 3000 units or so which is really really cool now why did you do that in other words I mean he can't help you with you know your language barrier perhaps what why did you do that
2: and in hindsight what impact did that
0: make on on your investing
2: yeah, that accelerated my timeline because without a mentor, I was kind of lost. I didn't know how to buy multifamily. It's sort of like a very large building. I was scared. I thought I'd make you know, major mistakes, and to limit my mistakes, to minimize my mistakes, I hired a mentor for those reasons and to accelerate my learning path and growth that I was desired to reach financial freedom. Jonathan, were there any
1: specific moments where working with Drew and I'm Drew's a, a close friend of mine as well as a great guy? Any moments where you were like? Thank God I had that that right there. That was a pivotal moment for me, and I don't know if I could have navigated that in that way. Was there any? And you looking back on it, you're like that made all the difference in the world. Anything you can share with us on that side?
2: Yeah, I'll share with the audience that it's it's when you're at a critical moment, like sort of a midlife crisis, where I was at, where I was kind of fed up with my job, I wasn't happy with the, the commute. You know, suburbs was crowded, and I wanted financial freedom for my family, build a legacy. And I read Richard Poor Dad, a purple book that everyone read. It kind of, and I love real estate. So I decided to join the mentorship program that Michael Blanc offered. It was a great program. And it taught me about syndication, which I didn't know, raising money from other people, which I didn't know that. And I was initially scared the thought because, you know, I never raised money from other people. So you were scared, but over time, as you practice, as you become more established, it becomes like a a second nature. Sure.
1: Did you have any specific moments that hit where you're like, wow? He helped me navigate. He helped me write an offer that I would have never wrote. Anything that stands out to you?
2: Yeah, I think when I first brought a deal to him, I was helping another student raise capital and close a deal in Atlanta, Georgia, 34 units, Class B townhomes. And I helped raise capital. So I was very proud of myself doing that. And then I started submitting LOIs and the coach said, hey, submit LOIs, practice, you know, tons of deals. So I submitted LOIs and I had Drew look at this deal. If it's a good deal, I'm going to submit an LOI. And you know, I submit the an LOI and Drew said, okay, he liked it. He approved it. And that's how he got me on the momentum of, you know, sort of coaching me, reviewing my LOIs and, and those kind of moments where it kind of triggered you to take massive action and um, have someone review it, make sure that it makes sense so that you don't make you know major mistakes. And that's how he, those moments helped me you know, accelerate my, my path. Were you ever scared in the process? You're like, you know,
1: that's really scary for me to take that step. And you were able to kind of overcome it having a mentor there by anything you can think of specifically we're like, I don't know, this seems like a little much for me knowing what I know.
2: Yeah. I, I don't think it was the underwriting. I was, I was a, I'm a CPA, I'm a tax account, a tax director. Oh, you I did killed like underwriting. the underwriting.
1: That was, that yeah. was done,
2: right? Yes. Yes. So, so, so my was part it? was, my part was the people person raising capital. I think that's the the scariest part for me was able to go to people and say, listen, I have a deal. Would you want to invest in my deal? And I was a little afraid of that because I'd never done that before.
1: Was Man. it was it maybe in your skill set or or maybe what you're used to doing? You could bang the numbers out all day, which is super important in, in real estate in general. You need to be able to do that. That other side, you you were that was totally uncomfortable to you. Yes. So, yes. So how did he help you
2: draw that out? i got Michael courses and Drew, and basically, you tell, tell them what you do tell them what you know. So, I'm a real estate investor. My name is Jonathan. I, you know, we have deals offer, you know, and talk, I told my family and friends first, my closest network. And then I just started building upon it and started using thought platforms. Like, you know, I have my own podcast, I have other, you know, forums, social media that I build upon my sort of my my, uh, my platform.
1: Great.
0: That's tough though, because I mean, yeah, just overcoming your, you know, your kind of your anxiety to speak to other people, right? And so I'd like you to talk a little bit more about that because there's a lot of people listening to it right now where have the same thing. Like I'm more of an analytical numbers person and I'm a little more introverted. And just the idea of talking to other investors is like, man, I'm really uncomfortable with that. So what advice do you have? You know, think back, you know, a year or two when you were in that same position. How did you overcome that?
2: I would say just start talking to people as you normally do. Be genuine, be natural. Don't come across like a salesperson. That's important. And it's not, you're not, so most important thing What I learned is you're not selling something. It's not a sales pitch. You're just offering something that's very unique and it's institutional quality to ordinary folks. And I think once you understand that concept and you educate them on that principle, then they'll come invest for you. It's just that they are afraid in the beginning they've never heard of it they don't know how it's, what is syndication, and where does it put money in a deal until you educate them It's education process basically
1: yeah, so I love that and I think another another that's the probably the best way to get in right if you're if you're not sure it's like you're just educating people but one other point I think that comes out of this is I think that Sometimes people that we always talk about, Hey, you know, do what you're good at or what you, what you know the most, but, and, and find someone else that's complimentary. And that's a good strategy, but at the same time, stepping outside your comfort zone and still learning, I always advocate to learn, learn enough on the other side of the fence to be dangerous because you really need all of it, whether you do it or whether someone else does it, it has to happen in order for the, the business to come to fruition. And so you can't just get stuck behind a, a, a wall with that fear in place that I could never do this. Cause I'm sure there's people out there listening right now that are having that problem. They're like, you know, I'm just, if I just found the right partner, I just found the right, this, There is still limiting belief. There's still these components, whether you hire a mentor and you use that as your way to get that side done, or whether you read books and figure out what that is. It still has to happen regardless of how you feel about it. It doesn't matter. It's, that's just what it is. And so I love that you were able to overcome that despite probably knowing that this isn't my strength. Your way to overcome it was to hire Drew Witson and, and make that a priority so that you actually got done. And then I've had similar instances where I've come in. I wasn't strong in accounting. I knew my whole life. I was like, I'm not great at this. Mm-hmm. I hired a consultant, same way. Okay. They taught me accounting, and now I know enough to be dangerous in order to, to make the business run the way it should. Yes. And I think that that's, that's something that needs to be said in general is you can't just ignore the fact that it needs to get done. You have yes. to figure out what's the best version of that inside of my business, whether I'm doing it or somebody else.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, that's true. That's true.
1: Hey, I want to tell you about our mentoring
0: program because I'm just excited at what our students' results are. We have students routinely do their first deal because they're working with a full-time syndicator. And that mentor is helping them do their first deal faster, that first deal is a lot bigger than if they did it without a mentor, and they avoid some of the biggest mistakes that can simply make you want to quit out of the business. So if that's interesting, you, if you value mentorship, check out our mentoring programs at themichaelblanccom forward slash mentor, you can schedule a call with us and see if mentoring is right for you. And uh, we we'll look forward to having a conversation. Let's talk about your first deal. Because I think your first deal, you actually sold that one recently as well. So it's a super interesting deal, right? So talk about how you found it.
2: Sure, sure. This is a very interesting story. I was So this is my first lead syndication deal. My first deal was in Atlanta, Georgia with Cheryl Gurvey. I helped her on that deal. But this this deal is my own deal where I I basically talked to many brokers, which I was instructed to talk to a lot of brokers, make phone calls. And tell her that I, I'm looking for apartment building. I look from at the time, 50 units to maybe 60 units being my first deal. And he said, you know what? I got two off-market deals for you, Jonathan. He sent me. He called me up that day. I was very excited. I was in Atlanta, Georgia. And then I said, you know what, uh, Chris, when I get home back to Dallas in Sunday night, I'll look at it and I'll let you know quickly whether i want to put an LOI or not. And I underwritten it. And then I spoke to Drew and said, you know what? This looks like a really good deal. It's, it's, in, uh, it's in Oklahoma City. It's right on the highway, and it's a really good price point. It was like $1.8 million for a 56 unit in an office. And I said, if I can get for that price point, I think we'll do very well in this apartment building. And so I submitted an LOI, and you know, luckily the seller was accepted my offer, and we got that under contract.
0: So you're skipping a few steps here, Jonathan. And one is, so you got this from a broker that you met in Atlanta? Yeah. How did you meet this broker? And, and the, my question really is, how did you take, get him to take you seriously?
2: Oh, oh, yes, yes. Okay, great. I just, I think I looked online. It was either a loop net or one of these. I just kept calling brokers online in Google. And I just spoke to him on the phone one day after work. And I said, listen, I'm looking for this, my criteria, you know, class C, maybe 50 to 60 units, value add, Oklahoma City. And he took me serious because I said, listen, in all my life, whatever I did, I became successful. I got my CPA license right, in the state of New York. I have a master's degree in taxation right, from a very good school. I'm the number one guy in the tax department. I to the CFO. I said, I know that if I can apply my disciplines in multifamily, I can buy from you many, many deals and, 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 and you can be rewarded for that. And he, he believed in me. And so he gave me a lot of off-market deals. And then that's how I got the trust from the broker.
0: But, but how, why do you think that was, right? Because you get this, this broker, these brokers get a lot of calls from people you know, like, like anyone, they get a bunch of calls, right? And mm-hmm. they try to figure out in their head immediately, is this guy a tire kicker or is he going to is he trying to take him seriously? What do you think it was when you first called him? Why, why do you, th- was it just pure luck or is it something you think that you did that made him trust you a little bit more?
2: I think that just told my professional background, how I, you know, how I came as an immigrant. I told my story and how I worked really hard. And I became, you know, basically the, the, the head of tax of a very large firm I succeeded, so he believed in my story. He believed that, you know, my values. And that uh, he believed that I, I am true to him. I'm not, I'm not a tire kicker. And if I say, I'll buy the deal and I'll give you another one, I will do that. So he trusted me and I did, I did do that. And that's how he established a relationship and he tried to give me all, more deals. So that's how I initially got him to trust me.
0: And also when you said, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get back to you on Sunday with the underwriting, you probably got back to him on Sunday with the underwriting.
2: Yes, yes, I got back to him. And we submitted that that night, and and I think that thing like that week, he kind of touched with the owner who was traveling, and we, we we got we got the we got the deal. That's awesome.
0: Well, did you? Now I know you raised some money with Cheryl. You partnered with another one of our mentoring students and helped her, basically fund that one. So you raised a little bit of money in that in that deal. How, did you, how much money did you raise for the second one? And Because this was your own deal. How much money did you raise for the second one? And, and the related question to that is, how did you, were you able to expand your ability to raise capital?
2: Okay, so for my own Oklahoma City deal, I raised $750,000. And how I did that was, is very interesting, Michael. A very good question. For my family and friends, probably half of it. So my good friends, I knew for 20 years, my neighbor who lives, moved from New York City to Dallas, who has an online business, my uncle my you know my relatives the other half was dealmaker live that elevated my elevated my success because i met some people there who were young and and hungry and wanted to do the syndication like me and they agreed to partner with me and then they burned investors from in california which how that's how we raised the the full money
0: so it was it was a kind of a joint venture with with people that you met dealmaker live which is our event that's happening again in the summer june 2nd through 4th so you met a bunch of other guys there or gals and you guys created a joint venture and you did this deal?
2: Yeah, what I did was I did a, a syndication. She just became like, I could help me uh, do, do some marketing, some uh, you know due diligence and some uh, capital raising. Yeah. And she brought her family in and then we raised all the money and then we closed on the deal. I love it. Yeah. And so this just
0: shows that, I mean, you strike me a little bit more, more an introvert, you know, but you got, you got to get out. You got to not get out of the house. And it was probably not easy for you to get out. And you did it anyway. And then you meet these people and you're like, man, this is pretty cool. And then together you pulled this thing, this thing off. So you raised half of it yourself, which is pretty cool. Yes. And the other half through through others, which is which is awesome. And then from there, what what was give us a kind of a, a quick rundown of of some of the units that you bought and how much money you've raised from there? And how how were you able to scale your capital raising?
2: Oh, yes. So then, the second deal I bought was Oklahoma City, seventy-two unit deal. I think it was like three million dollars, and I raised one point two million, like in one or two weeks. Wow! And that was a pretty phenomenal, and I did that through partnering with another person who I met. DealMaker Live, at the same the same event. It was another partner, and she brought in a lot, large sum of capital from me, and she's my partner on on, on this deal. And then afterwards, we and then after we got another deal. So I done like, I think three four deals afterwards. But I got so during COVID nineteen, what was interesting was. I paused a little bit during COVID-19 when, when it was shut down, and I focused on another asset class, which I love, is self-storage. And I decided to learn about the asset class and, and get, get deep into it. And, I, and my first deal was I bought a, a large self-storage deal in Texas, and I was able to raise all the money myself because I had to establish the track record, and I was able to demonstrate that I can syndicate and, and do well in my deals one of the uh really interesting parts jonathan about
1: this is so you go to and I, one point i want to make is so you go to dealmaker live first of all it's, it's a cool event and i i don't know when you start doing this michael but i don't think all events do this but on you actually get a badge and on the badge it's it's it says like what you're into what part of the business you're into so I can cut down that initial approach you're like hey what do you do like you know this it'll, it'll say whether you raise money whether you find deals It's a, it's a cool feature and it just allows people to quickly get to the point, I think. And, and that's helpful when you're trying to build relationships. One of the things you did is you built a relationship with somebody there. You did one deal with them. And because of that, it led to more. And so, you know, when you get out of the house and you go to the, these events, you could lead, that could lead you down that, whatever that ticket cost was at the time. I don't know what it was, 700 or whatever, led you down a path to making who knows how much money because that you do one deal with one person, you consecutively can do more with them as long as the relationship works out. In fact, that's how I ended up being partners with Michael and Drew in Nighthawk. We just tried to do one deal and the deal didn't even work. (laughs) <laughs> we, just, we we just did, we just did it. We ended up working. We're like, oh, we work well together. Let's, let's continue this. You know, we're kind of yeah. offsetting each other in the, in these ways. So I really love that you, you kind of had that similar path, Jonathan. And I, I love that, you know, you've kind where you've kind of taken it. So what do you think's next for you in, in the current environment? And what, what are you looking at now?
2: Yeah, I'm looking at um, building now. So instead of syndicating existing building, I'm looking at building now where I think there's more value there. And I can get a a cheaper price point to build, building like probably self storages now. And I also have a team helping me finding off-market deals. And we're working on a few of them right now. And so I'm looking at a land right now that we have three. So it's inventory, right? I have inventory in Midland, Texas, Midland, Odessa. So we already have two uh, self-storage facilities. Now we might build another one. I've seen potential land acquisition. And we're working to look at that feasibility study in that one. And that's good. Then we have built our inventory base in that area. We have more control, and we have a property manager there that help us run that that site very well. So it's, it's inventory as well. So,
0: so cool. So you go going self storage and multifamily kind of uh, on those two tracks.
2: Yes, yes. And I'm also right now. I have to in a KP, so I'm helping Savannah KP in one of her deals, and oh, yeah, also good. yeah, and I'm I'm also, also helping students. Yeah, great. Yeah, great. yeah, yeah. Savannah, and also have another person uh, who I'm helping Olog, who. Who wants me to help lead a deal and help him? He does not underwrite the deals. I said, okay, we can team up. We're from the same town, from New Jersey, so that's fine. I met him for dinner at Christmas, and also how other students I'm looking at help helping out me at KP as well.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, and I I just love how you're taking advantage of of the you know the our the dealmaker dealmaker tribe, and you know just you're just partnering with people, which is a, a lesson. Yeah. Partnerships are so key in the multifamily business. You mentioned you have a team of finding off-market deals. How are you doing that?
2: I did that because I proved to the broker that I can close on a deal. We recently closed on an Austin deal, which I love Austin. It's a great area, you know, Tesla and Apple Park. And I closed on a a self-storage deal. And I said, listen, I need, because I know he does both multifamily and self-storage. I said, look for apartment and self-storage and and find me, number one, land around the area and also find me off-market deals. He said, yes, I will, because I like the way you handled it. The way it's smooth closing, you, there wasn't much retrade back and forth. I really like how you handled it with grace, and I want to find you those deals, he said. And he's finding now hunting for the deals right now.
0: Yeah, that's pretty awesome. When you said you hired a team, like, what do you mean? Like, you have someone else making calls of brokers, or what, what is that team doing?
2: Oh, so my team in self-storage is I have a person. He's based in Silicon Valley. He underwrites my deals, and I do the final underwriting. So he does initial underwriting, and I, I really want to prove it. I have a team that's a loan guarantor here, and I have a team that uh, find me deals, brokers find me deals, off-market. And then for the capital rates that I raise, and every single partner and my partner here raises capital. So who underwrites, who doesn't raise capital, I raise capital too. And that's, how, that's how we get these deals locked in, basically. Are, you, are your partnerships, uh, do they vary from deal to deal, or are you
0: doing? do you have like your partnership kind of locked in?
2: Yeah, it's generally locked in for self-storage, and then for a multifamily, it depends. Usually it depends on, on a deal-by-deal basis.
0: Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. So what do you see next for for you guys? Like where do you see scale-wise? Talk to me about, you know, where you think you might go with assets under management and also, you know, team size or anything that you're you're working on now to scale your business.
2: Yeah, I'm looking to scale to the next thousand units in self-storage by the end of the year. And um looking to expand my multi-time portfolio as well. It's, uh, it's a little challenging this time because interest rates and, and uncertainty is a little challenging. I think you have to feel it as well. So we'll see how, how that goes in the landscape. So we're doing all that right now and we're, doing the, we're scaling it out right now. I think so.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Man, that's, it's, imp- it's impressive uh, how far you've come. Jonathan, how can people uh, connect with
2: you? Yeah, they can go to uh, my website or just uh, send me an email. My website is www.graystonecapgroup.com. So that's GreystoneCapGroup.com, or just they could even send me an email at info at info@greystonecapgroup.com.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for sharing uh, your journey so far. It's, like I said, it's been very impressive since uh, since we met uh, not that long ago. That where you've where you've gotten this and uh, your focus on partnerships. So, thanks for being here on the show today.
2: Thank you very much, Michael. All
0: right. There's one major lesson I, I to take away from Jonathan here is don't let your weaknesses or shortcomings, real or perceived, stop you from what you want to do. In fact, he's a quiet guy, right? It was it was probably not the most comfortable thing for him to be on on a podcast. He's an introvert, super smart guy, but you know he's he's more of an introvert, and and somehow he was able to overcome that because you got to talk to people, you got to talk to brokers, okay, you talk to investors. And he was able to overcome that. And he, the way he did it was he you know, he basically aligned himself with a full-time syndicator, a mentor who basically encouraged him and says, man, you can do this. I don't care if your English is not your first language. I don't care if you're quiet. You can do this. Look at your career. And, and he was able to basically convince a broker to take him seriously as well. And so the key lesson is don't be too concerned about who you are, who you know, how much money you have, or how much money you don't have, if you're old, you're young, you're tall, you're short, whatever, okay, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. You got to get yourself in the right frame and say, I can do this. And so the question doesn't become, can I do this? The question becomes, how can I do this? And that's the right question
1: to, to ask. Yeah. And one simple way that I that I noticed that he likely has inside of his mind is I've been successful at all these things in my life and I can also be successful at this. He even said that that's what he goes to brokers with. And I think people too many times are like looking at all these, the fear that's in front of them and, and, Oh, I don't know if I can, but look how many things you've done already. Most of you, all of you, you've done some incredible stuff in different ways and different forms in your life that you can look to and point to that would, Allow you to move forward in this capacity as well. It's just about being resourceful and and then overcoming the hurdles that come in your way. And and this is just the prime example. Like like you said, he's like, listen, I've been successful at all these things. This is just another thing that I, I can be successful at. Also, I love that quiet guy. But man, he you know sometimes t- t- when you're
0: quiet. To me, it doesn't matter what you say anymore. I stop paying attention to what people say. I don't pay attention to what people do. And Jonathan. Yeah, he's not a Sayer, but he's definitely a doer. And so the question is, are you a doer? And I think that really makes all the difference. So and I hope you'll join us at Dealmaker Live. It's in June 2nd in in Dallas. Easy to get to. It's at dealmakerliveevent.com. Also, if you're interested in investing passively, you're like, man, you know, this is great what Jonathan did, but I don't really have the time or the interest, but I do have some capital to invest. I want to you know, take some out of the stock market. We'd love to have a conversation with you at Nighthawk. Check us out at nighthawkequity.com. Click the join button and you can schedule a call with us and see if investing with us is the right way to do it. So hopefully we'll have a conversation soon and uh, catch you in next episode. Thanks for listening. Take the next step toward financial freedom by checking out our Freedom Vault, where you can find free resources to help you with apartment building investing. Whether you're an active investor just starting out or looking to scale your syndication business or looking to invest passively. Head over to themichaelblock.com slash vault to gain access to our freedom vault.